Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Casa Bazan podcast. Today is Tuesday, and so here we go again with a new contemplation on a topic which I could say I'm quite an expert at. <laughs> it's the topic of changes. Such an important topic for the current times. Many of us are going through really deep changes currently. Let me know if you feel that too. A lot of collective changes on a high scale. So many people are going through that right now. Changes in our professional sphere. Changes in our spiritual sphere. Changes in our social life. So many decisions that need to be taken right now can be quite overwhelming. And as we enter the Scorpio season, we are invited to embrace that aspect within us, which is the Phoenix child, the one that is able to constantly rise from its ashes. And the word resilience becomes so incredibly important. Resilience is the ability to stand up after falling. And as we know, life is not always completely linear. Life is very much up and down and, you know, kind of like a roller coaster sometimes can be quite intense. And resilience is this ability to be reborn anew. We go through so many deaths in one lifetime. It's not just about the death that we experience at the end of our lives. It's also the shedding of old skin and old identities that no longer serve us that can determine our ability to rise again and again from the old to the new and to stay fresh and to be able to stay in the mentality of self-regeneration. Before a caterpillar becomes a butterfly, it actually turns into complete goo within its cocoon. And I don't know, I've never been a caterpillar, or maybe I have in my past lives, I don't know. <laughs> but I trust that the process must be quite impressive turning into absolute goo and then reforming a body and becoming a butterfly, a being that has experienced land and earth, literally crawling on the earth, to now being a being that is able to fly with those massive wings in one lifetime. Isn't that absolutely mesmerizing and such a powerful analogy to the process that we're going through right now. So I've been receiving a lot of messages from you guys um, sharing with me your own journey and the changes that you're going through right now. A lot of people are changing jobs. A lot of people are changing countries. A lot of people have had a massive shift in their social interactions certain old relationships that absolutely are unsustainable right now are falling away and just because we are beings of habit we love to have our habits um 
it feels reassuring to be friends with the same people for years. We have this idea of, you know, building friendships and relationships over the years and getting closer and closer to people by spending, you know, time with them and having memories together. All of a sudden, it's like you guys have nothing in common. All of a sudden, it's like you're speaking a completely different language. All of a sudden, it's just falling off like old skin. And there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can say to change that feeling within you. And it can be really hard. And the more you think about it and the more you ask yourself certain questions, whether you have changed, whether they have changed, the intellectual mind, the conceptualizing mind will never be able to make sense of that because what's happening right now is very much energetic. There are huge energy shifts happening in the world. And if you want to have a physical visual representation of that, you can go on the Schumann Resonance website and see the solar flares um, that are currently happening on the earth. Um, it's quite impressive to see that, you know, the Schumann resonance is basically the frequency of the earth. So it's an electromagnetic um, kind of like radiogram, we could call it like that. Um, I'm not sure this is the right term, but I would definitely invite you to see it for yourself. And you can see how much the energy has been peaking. Um, and of course, we are the ecosystem of the earth. We are made of the five elements. We are made of water, fire, air, ether. We are made of the earth. And obviously we react to those changes, to those solar flares, to those energy shifts. It's having a massive influence on us spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally and the more we try to rationalize it or understand it logically the more we see through the veils that our minds has created to keep us separate from the unity that we naturally are in my um, meditations I've noticed it clearly how my ego, my conceptual mind will always try to put everything in little boxes, which is a very, very useful ability. It's a beautiful tool, but eventually it creates an illusion of separation, which once again is useful. But from a spiritual point of view, it constantly keeps us in a state of forgetting that we are one with everything. And in a way, what's happening right now, it's like being in between two chairs. It's like having one foot here and one foot there. And you don't really know. You don't really know how to dance like that. And so life is sort of like pulling you into the unknown. And you just have to surrender. And surrendering to this 
can feel so uncomfortable because you've never functioned like that. And it's a massive change for you. We as humans like to identify things. First of all, with our own identity. The moment we are born, we are being given a name. Then our gender is determined. Then we receive a passport. And on the passport, there are certain numbers that, you know, serve the purpose of self-identification, etc., etc. From the moment of birth, we are assigned an identity. Then as we grow up, we need to pick a job, a path, a lane, and we accumulate self-identities. Then, as we progress in life, even in the intimacy of our relationships, we are the introverted one, or the extroverted one, or the one who makes really funny jokes, or the one that knows a lot about politics, or the one that knows a lot about spirituality. And these are all, once again, self-identifications. And of course it's useful. Of course there's beauty in that. But our soul, that is constantly leaning towards unity, the soul can get really tired of it. The soul can get really tired of playing those roles. And the soul wants to experience oneness even while being in a human body on earth. <laughs> and so it's trying to make sense of a way to do that while, sti while still being you, while still being in a body. Because there comes a point where we, we sort of want to drop the hat on the floor <laughs> and we want to completely change. And I can attest to that. Um, you know, I've went through so many different phases in my life and I've always been so comfortable with the idea of rebirth that in a way I just completely surrendered to my soul's calling. Um, talking about the school experience, it was just such an excruciating experience for me to be asked to do one thing, to pick one lane, to choose one vocation. Um, that was an impossible task for me because as I said previously growing up, I knew that I wanted to specialize myself in a couple of different things. I was really interested in writing. I was interested in photography. I was interested in music. And our society does not really accept that. You have to choose one thing. We have this philosophy of picking one path and sticking to it and studying everything you can study regarding that or at least becoming an expert in that one particular path and becoming specialized and so it's like the hat you're wearing and you know when I started the blog for me it was a beautiful way to sort of become a chameleon and combine a lot of different things in one and, you know, there came a point where e 
even that felt like a hat. Even that felt like a really big identity to carry. All of a sudden, this blogger identity felt like super... (laughs) It just felt like it was really weighing on me. It felt like I had this label above my head. And I really disliked that. Because for me, freedom and sovereignty is the most important thing. I want to feel free. And freedom is a feeling. It's a state. It's not a goal. It's not a destination. It's a way of being. And so there came a point where I wanted to free myself from that identity. And although, as you guys know, I love, love, love what I do. I love my, my activity. I love content creation. But I don't want to be a slave to that. And it was super important for me to do a massive shift and to challenge myself to that. And so there came a day where I decided to literally delete all my content on Instagram. And that was such a thrilling experience. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Honestly, (laughs) I remember the day when I did that and I had someone help me to actually archive all the content it felt so liberating that blank page it was just such a an empowering feeling and it was also a time in my life where I had changed my hair color and it felt like I was someone new but it was it was still me my spirit my soul my heart I just needed to detach myself from that identity that you know that identity that came with all those connotations in a way I think it was an act of rebellion but it was also an act of challenging the collective sort of like understanding of who I am because eventually we're all just reflections of one another and I could see that people were putting me in a box and eventually what that led me to understand is that I had started to box myself into a certain very specific category so that transition was like being reborn anew and also really focusing on music obviously it was a complete change of industry and It felt so refreshing. It was a very, very empowering experience. And so now it feels like there's a new change once again. You know, it doesn't need to be symbolized by by a hair color or by deleting your Instagram. That is, that's fun. It's great. But that's not the point. All the changes are first and foremost happening inside of us. Then they are materialized in the physical plane. It's decisions that you first and foremost take within. And then they are being manifested physically outside of you. Transitioning from the internal universe to the external universe is the practice of integration and self-awareness 
It's the practice of oneness consciousness, understanding that everything that happens within you, all the decisions that you take within yourself are eventually that which you will experience outside of yourself. When you commit to something within you, when you're, engage, when you're engaged with an aspect of yourself, when you focus on something within, this is eventually what you will magnetize and attract outside. A typical example of that is when you focus on a specific number, for example, I don't know, let's say the number 72, and you focus on it. I don't know, it's just a number that keeps coming up. All of a sudden, you will see it magnetize in your physical outer reality. You'll be walking in the street and you will see the number 72, and you'll see it everywhere. That which you focus upon is eventually that which will occur outwardly. So how can we explain those changes that occur within when all of a sudden you completely want to change life? It's almost like everything that you used to like, everything that you used to be into, you're no longer into. Almost like seasons passing. It's just a new cycle. I think that life is like a river and our soul comes here to experience a current of different situations, different experiences, different visions. We're not here to have a bland, plain, sort of like dull experience of life. We are here to have fun, to experiment, and to thrive. And if that means getting out of your comfort zone a little bit, then why not do it? Of course, when you've built yourself a nest, a comfortable nest, and you're cozy, and you're surrounded by people you know that you've known your whole life, by things you know that you've known your whole life, and all of a sudden your soul is like, oh, I'm kind of bored. It's kind of boring. I really want to change. You're not going to be able to avoid that voice. This is the voice of your heart. And if you ignore that voice, it's basically like betraying yourself. It's painful. It's really painful. So the best thing that you can do is to respect and honor that voice that is calling you to engage with the love within yourself that wants to bring you out of the nest and bring you into some fun. And that does not mean that you'll have to completely get rid of the nest that you've so delicately built for yourself. You know, for example, if you have a family, you have a kid, or you live in a community that you really enjoy, or you have a home that you really appreciate and you've put a lot of work into. These are all beautiful things. It doesn't necessarily mean that you need to get rid of all of that. It just means that your soul is bringing you to an even more expanded experience of what your life could be. And it's being courageous 
to accept the challenge, to accept the change, to maybe take that pen and start the book that you've always wanted to write. It doesn't need to be for any financial purposes or fame purposes or whatever purposes that the ego might create. It can be just for the sake of doing it, just for the sake of having fun doing it. Changes are that which bring the spice in our life. And sometimes we can be so scared of it because it feels uncomfortable. It's like stretching us from the inside out. And especially it feels like if we change, the people in our environment, the people in our community won't understand. And we absolutely hate explaining ourselves. I remember (laughs) when I deleted my Instagram and, you know, I had my hair color change and all of that. I started receiving a lot of messages of people asking asking me what I, why why did I do that it's like I became this um reliable place for them every time that they would come to my profile they would always find the same identity the same safe space the same type of content and I remember at the time I had this feeling of being okay this is gonna sound really funny <laughs> But I'm just going to say it the way it felt. And actually, I I remember I once wrote it exactly that way in an article. (laughs) But I felt like a box of cereals. (laughs) Let me explain. The box of cereals analogy is, you know, when you go to the supermarket and there's this one particular brand of cereals that you've been eating since you're a child and it really comforts you. I don't know, maybe it's Fruit Loops for you or Lucky Charms or whatever. And imagine that your favorite brand of cereals has changed its packaging and it's not the same ingredients anymore and it's basically not the same as it used to be. And you're so sad and disappointed and it's like your favorite snack. It's the snack that you love eating when you have your periods or it's the snack that you love having when, you know, you just want to stay in bed and cozy up. And all of a sudden it changes. And so you're like, what? Oh my gosh, this was my safe space. This was my comfort zone. Why isn't it the same? It's like we want to hold on to certain memories. We want to hold on to those pockets of memories, those moments that have passed. We want them to stay the same. It, it, it goes along with the topic of relationships those of you guys who have been in long-term relationships, you know that when you're in a committed relationship with someone, obviously you both are going to grow and evolve and change. It's natural. It's human. It's healthy. And sometimes you might not evolve and change in the same direction. It can happen. and There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it can be really beautiful. But sometimes we, we want to hold on to that image that we've had the first time we met our partner and the way that they looked or the way that they talked or the way that they sort of like introduced themselves to the world. We grasp onto that moment like a photograph, like a capture. We capture that memory and we want to sustain it. And in that way, 
we project an identity onto others based on our own impression of them. It's like having a filter and filtering our reality through our perceptions, through our own way of conceptualizing reality. And the the operational system within ourselves that does this is the conceptualizing mind, which is called the ego. I've had a friend tell me the other day, because we had this super long debate. It was not really a debate, but it was like a discussion, a contemplative discussion regarding the ego. I was saying that the ego is really the program, the tool within ourselves that keeps us separate. And he was like, yeah, but it's, it's such a powerful and beautiful tool. We wouldn't be able to experience reality as it is if we didn't have the ego. And in a way, it's true. But also, we need to remind ourselves that it's a tool. It's a tool that is in service of us and not the other way around where we are in service of the ego. And let me explain that. The, the analogy that really comes to mind is that um, celebrity concept that we have in our culture. When you are a celebrity, meaning you are being celebrated, celebrity, celebration, that which society celebrates. So it's like those people that we associate with something very specific like a haircut, I don't know, Anna Wintour, let's take her as an example. She's a really famous celebrity in the fashion industry. And if you look at her, she has a very specific and precise ego identity, self-identity. She always has she always has the same haircut. She always wears the same sunglasses. She's identifiable by certain um, you know, certain pretty defined terms such as being quite cold, Um, she's like this queen of the fashion world. Um, and maybe in, in her intimacy, she's not at all like that. You know, it's, it's like, it's like wearing a costume on Halloween, basically. And, you know, if we take someone else as an example, let's take, I don't know, Paris Hilton, Um, same thing we associate her with something very precise and even I don't know Tom Cruise okay same for him we associate him with very specific and precise things Um, I have no idea why these people came up to mind I guess it's just because there are so many connotations linked to these personalities Um, that is just such such interesting um analogies when talking about the ego and the ego construct when you hear interviews of people such as those oftentimes they feel really sad about how people put them in a box but in a way they themselves put themselves in a box as well (laughs) Um, by building and creating such a specific and meticulously orchestrated identity Whereas people, just like the box of cereals analogy, they know what they will get if they tune into their energy. If they go on the, I don't know if Anna Winter has an Instagram, probably not. 
but you know what you will get if you see her at a fashion week. She will always be with her, you know, with her pearls or with her haircut, and you know what to expect, basically. But the beauty of the human energy, the beauty of the human soul is that you cannot always expect what you're going to get from us. We are much more unpredictable than what we think. We are much more creative than what we think. And to only be seen as that one specific thing is very limiting. And in that way, it it's literally like cutting your wings off. It's sort of like making it packed within yourself. This is what I will be for the rest of my life because that's what seems to work for me. That's how people seem to perceive me. So I'm just, you know, I'm just going to give to them more of what they want to see. I think it's very tricky. I think it's almost quite dangerous, to be totally honest, to do that. And it's important to put things back at their place. Meaning, your identity, your self-identity, is in service of your soul. And not the other way around. It's a tool. It's a beautiful tool. But don't become a slave of the tool. Don't become the slave of the self-identity that you've built Let the identity be in service of all these beautiful experiences that your soul came here to experience, to live, to discover, to thrive in, to have fun, to rejoice. And it is, it's just going to be so much easier to accept changes in your life and to accept the unknown once you let go of that clinging to, oh, but I'm this person in my group of friends. What am I going to do if I let go of that identity? Who am I going to be? I cannot change. First of all, you need to, you need to do the coming out within you. <laughs> I call it a coming out because there are different coming outs. It's like, you need to get out of the closet, honey. <laughs> it's not just about sexuality, obviously. It's a coming out, a getting out of the closet on all levels of the being. There's also a spiritual coming out that needs to be done. A spiritual coming out where you take responsibility for everything that you create in your life. And yes, it can be quite an intense one. Once you really start living by the embodiment that you are one with everything, that everything you see You've co-created it within yourself and with the universe. That you are the microcosm of the universe. That there's no separation. That you're one with everything you see. Everything. The bee, the birds, the sky, the galaxies. They're all within you just as much as you are within them. can be a bit trippy. But it's... That's deepest form of truth and the deepest form of reality check you can give yourself it's like saving years of therapy it's like saving years of spiritual master classes if you understand that 
And if you start living by that, you transcend control and you embody self-mastery. You no longer need to control your life by force. You become a master. You master life. And in that sense, as much as you step into divine service, as much as you are of service to the universe, which is you, the deepest form of you, I'm not saying become an egomaniac walking around being like, oh, I'm the universe. Everything is in my service. (laughs) I don't know about you guys, but that's obviously quite discernible if someone is behaving in that way is it's coming from the ego in the sense that when you truly embody oneness when you truly embody that awareness that deep knowing that you are one with everything you become so deeply humble because you know that even in the tree even in the bird There is an infinite world, just like there is the infinite world within you, and that you both are fractals of each other. It can seem quite complex, but we all know it. We all feel it. It's the truth that is stored in our hearts, and we just need to remember it. So, in the sense, it's really humbling. And our actions become guided by a much higher divine knowing. An analogy that comes to mind (laughs) is um, a car and its GPS system. So... You know, we're being told that in a couple of years, cars will be able to drive themselves, that we won't need drivers, and that all cars will be connected, interconnected with a GPS system so that, for example, if you're on the freeway, they will be able to calculate the distance in between each car so that harmony and security is being respected while driving while the car is, you know, driving itself. (laughs) If the car is not connected to the GPS system of all the cars, then it's going to run into, it's going to run into something basically. So in in that way, the analogy is that we as beings, if we just function from that little tiny GPS system within us where it's just, us in our little bubble disconnected from all is how are we going to be able to take decisions that are truly going to lead us to those places those exciting places that our soul is just so excited to see and witness and experience you need you need to connect yourself to that omnipresent universal GPS system 
so that you can know in each moment, in each second, in every single now, where to go and what to do. And that's called divine flow. Divine flow allows you to accept those changes, to always know what's going on energetically in the world, in the universe, and to place yourself accordingly. And to know that if something changes in your plans, you don't need to grasp on it. You can just let go and surrender to the fact that if there's a change, it's, it's probably for the better. And not only probably, but most definitely. <laughs> Sometimes we can be a bit, um, we can be control freaks. You know, if we are always functioning from the mental, logical, rational space, we can be very controlling of our schedules, planning meetings, being very specific about time frames, getting really angry if something changes, getting really angry if someone cancels an appointment. Um, because we've planned everything so meticulously. And, you know, for, for, for other beings, it can go as far as planning your entire life and planning where you want to be in 20 years. You know, oh, I want to have three kids. I want to be married. I want to have a, have, have a house exactly like this, exactly like on my mood board. I want exactly this car. Um, excuse me, ma'am, um, well, actually, in 20 years, there's going to be a massive, you know, reality shift. <laughs> Everything is going to be different. Everything is going to be new. You cannot plan 20 years ahead. You know, dancing is all about surrendering to flow. A good dancer is able to surrender to the moment, especially when it's being improvised. When it's a choreography, then it's, it's a completely different story. But when you're doing improv, you constantly need to bounce back and bounce off from your partner's dancing moves or, you know, you need to be really connected to the music and to the rhythm and you're co-creating with all of this. And life is very much like the sacred dance. If you're stiff, if you're controlling, and if you don't surrender to the changes of rhythm, the changes in patterns, the changes in the moves, then it's just not going to be an enjoyable experience for neither you nor the ones who are enjoying the show. <laughs> Um, so in that sense, the more that we are able to surrender our localized will, the will of our ego, that self-identity that comes with all of its little boxes, and the more we are able to connect to the universal will of the entire universe, which is within us which connects us to source, to the essence. It's like activating your wireless system and being interconnected with all beings 
and being led to those places where you need to be to be of service. And trust me, when you do this, life blesses you. It always gives you that which you need, just like magic. This is magic. These are miracles. Sometimes all it takes is just your trust and then life gets the message. It's like, okay, she's trusting me. He's trusting me. I got the green light. Let's go. I'm bringing you support. I'm bringing you that which you need to keep going. And in that sense, it just takes one step from you and then you will get the support. Sometimes it can be a little bit more challenging because it's like you are testing yourself whether you have enough faith, talking about starting a new job or a new career, for example. It's like, hmm, should I do it or not? And you're sort of testing the ground, right? You're not sure. You're like, life, please send me a sign. I need to know with whether this is the right path. And so you go to an astrologer, you go get a tarot card reading, you get a pendulum, you talk with all of your friends, all of your friends. And it's almost like you're waiting from, I don't know, you're waiting for someone outside of you to give you the approval whether it's the cards, whether it's the astrologer, whether it's one of your friends that's going to be like, okay, listen to me now. This is exactly what you need to do. Eventually, you are the one that's going to take the decision. And the easiest way to take that decision is to follow the inner compass. The inner compass is the most precious and accurate guide If it's not the right time yet to make a certain specific decision, which is going to influence your whole life, then wait a little bit. I always say, when there is a doubt, it's a no. When it's a yes, it's a yes. Period. There's no second guessing. Same goes for sort of the headspace where we're at when taking a decision. In fact, to be even more accurate, it's not about the head space, it's about the heart space. Usually when it's a full body yes, it's a feeling that we get in the heart. It's like a no-brainer. There's a reason why we say that. There's a reason why this expression no-brainer is so is so accurate is because a no-brainer means you're not mentally trying to make sense of it it's a full body full heart yes (laughs) and eventually that's the goal of life is you want to constantly operate from that full heart embodiment and the more you start to analyze or plan, the more the experience become con- becomes controlled and inauthentic. Now, the tricky part of it is, and I can already sense it in the field, sort of people thinking, oh, but, you know, I have a life where I need to plan things. 
I need to, I need to be able to organize myself and have a schedule. I cannot live without, you know, a planner or a calendar. I, I thrive when I'm organized. <laughs> Living in the heart space does not mean being disorganized. Actually, it allows you to be even more organized because oftentimes people who are really into, you know, having a perfectly organized planner and having your meetings booked two months in advance, you know, these are people who get the most frustrated when there are changes and it that's where you really need to let go of all of those resistances and to really surrender into your authentic self. Usually, people who are as meticulous with controlling every single little aspect of their reality have a tendency to be really stiff in their relationships because they're not as able to dance with life and to have fun. Because if they haven't planned everything in advance then they feel like they're not in control of the situation. And so they feel like they're weak or they feel like they don't know what they have to do. They feel like they're disbalanced. And in a way, it's it's a program. It's like a program that's running you and in certain ways it is serving you because it's beautiful to be organized. I love being organized. But you need to keep in mind or especially you just need to be aware of the fact that this is a tool and you should not become just don't be a slave to the tool the tool is serving you okay when you become a slave to that strict mega stiff organization planification system then you lose that authenticity, you lose the flow, you lose the spontaneity of your childlike nature. And then it becomes really difficult if something happens in your life, like a a meltdown or a breakup or, I don't know, losing a job or something big happening in in your family, then it can really bring you down because life is challenging you to lose the grip to lose the control and there's sort of like this analogy of you know when you receive three signs the first sign is a feather and oh you look at the feather it's pretty but then you don't necessarily understand the meaning you get a second sign it's a whole text something you read in a book or something that a friend has sent you or the lyrics of a song that just keep coming back and they keep coming back and they keep coming back. But you're like, oh, it's just a coincidence, whatever. You get over it. And then there's the truck (laughs) or the wall or or the tower, like in the tarot, the tower. It's like the crashing something crashes something breaks because it's like well you didn't pay attention to the more gentle nudges and now to make it clear to you 
we need to send you a sign that is it that is a bit more intense, you know, because obviously you don't want to listen. And I'm not saying this is to scare anyone off. You know, it's just that sometimes when we are stubborn and we like it one way, our way, not even our way, but uh, from the perspective of the conceptualizing mind that is always trying to keep control, that is always trying to predict everything, that is always trying to plan everything. And life is inviting you into that flow, into that rhythm of dancing with the changes and with the movement and being, just being, being fluid. Ah, Life will do what it takes to bring you into that state because that is your natural state. And that is the true state where you can thrive. And eventually, by you stepping into that, you will facilitate that state for others around you. And it's like this beautiful domino effect where one person does this and then this person creates a a safety net, a safety environment for others to be in that energy as well. Ecstatic dancing actually is a really helpful modality to get into that heart space. Ecstatic dancing is basically, you know, certain... um, like body movements that you really, really get into. So it's not like going out and clubbing and sort of like dancing and shaking it a little bit. Ecstatic dances are specific spaces that are gathered for people without alcohol, without any drugs, to really get loose with their body language without any restrictions. If you want to dance in a really like weird way, this is a safe space to do it. The whole point of it is to not control and to just like really surrender yourself to that which your body wants to do. And I think psychosomatically, when you've always lived with a lot of discipline, I don't know, maybe your family is really strict. Um, maybe no one has taught you how to live in that free and fluid and sovereign way. To dance is the most powerful embodiment. It's the most powerful tool that you can utilize to begin embodying that state. First of all, it's going to connect you with your sensuality, which is the root chakra, the chakra of safety, of feeling safe within yourself, feeling like, hey, I got me. I'm on my team. I got me. No matter what changes, no matter what happens, no matter what's going on, I got my back. I got me. And when you're dancing, and you can even do it at home with yourself, just put some music that you really like and feel into your body and don't try to plan your next move. Don't try to dance a certain way. Sometimes, you know, we all got those signature moves. Um, It's about letting go of all of that. Your self-identity on the dance floor, just forget about it. You are home in your sacred aloneness, all oneness, and just feel into where your body wants to go. Maybe your spine really wants to stretch. Maybe, I don't know, your legs want to do something. 
this is such an important and empowering practice that also really liberates the mind because it brings you back into the center. It brings you back into the heart space. Um, for me, doing that has been just such a powerful thing. Um, yeah, because to me, changes are the most natural thing in life. And once we're comfortable with changes, we are comfortable with our nature. That is ever-present, everlasting, but also it's the very movement of life. I like to say that when we live from the heart space, we're comfortable with the fact that we are both the movement and the stillness. We are both the music and the silence. And to be able to go from our inner realities to the outer reality is also quite an experience. You know, to be comfortable with being surrounded by a lot of people to suddenly being alone. From having a, a big family, I don't know, having, I don't know, lots of kids. You have five kids and a husband and all of a sudden all your kids are grown up and I don't know, all of a sudden for a certain reason you live by yourself. It's being comfortable with those changes and not thinking that there is a situation in your life that will remain forever. It's accepting that life is a dance and loving the dance and not expecting what the next move should be. It's just taking it as it is, as it comes, being present, embodying the now. You are the now. The past is a memory. The future does not exist yet. You're creating it by being deeply present. I thank you sincerely for listening to this podcast. I hope that you enjoyed it. And I will see you next Tuesday for the next episode. And as always, I'm sending you my deepest love. And, you know, my, <laughs> my sincerest good luck wishes on embracing the changes in your life.